Want an easy way to stay up to date with the latest news and trends in the NBA? Listen to the NBA Daily Ding podcast. Wake up and turn up the NBA Daily Ding to stay informed on all things NBA here at The Athletic and wherever you get your podcasts. With the playoffs in full swing, you don't want to miss a single episode of the Basket Buds edition of the Athletic NBA Show podcast on the Athletic Podcast Network every single Monday with myself, Zach Harper, and our cast of characters, Trevon Edwards, Jay King, Dave DeFord, James Edward III, Law Murray. We're breaking down every single big playoff story, and we're doing it with a lot of fun and a lot of trash talk. Make sure you're checking it out. The Basket Buds edition of the Athletic NBA show every single Monday morning right in your podcast face. Welcome to the Athletic MBA show on the Athletic Podcast Network. Some of our mantras, we talk about getting better every day. We talk about playing together. When you do those things, you end up on a stage like this. They compete. They're NBA champions. I couldn't be more happy for our players, for our team, for our organization, for our city of Milwaukee, NBA champions. Yeah, it's big time. This is Nerd She Wrote with your host, Dave Dufour. With Mo DeKeel. Are you ready to be entertained? And Seth Partnow. Hello and welcome to the Athletic NBA Show. I'm not sure what day this is coming out, but I think it's coming out on Friday. Uh, I'm Dave. This is Nerder She Wrote. Mo and Seth are here. Uh, before we get started, everybody go to theathletic.com slash NBA show and subscribe for 50% off to The Athletic if you haven't done it already. I never push this stuff at the front of podcasts. And I remember today because it's such a screaming good deal. You can get a year, 50% off. It's a great deal. So go and sign up. Uh, fellas, how are you? I'm great, man. I got a little foster puppy running around, a little Luca. Um, took him for a run today, uh, and we still chase squirrels for most of the time. <laughs> it it feels fully like the off season, and it's glorious. And it's a short in one set. Yeah, I know, I know. Because because we're literally like two or three weeks away from really stuff happening. <laughs> yeah, I just I'm just I'm just remembering back to how just kind of pleasant that couple weeks is when sort of nothing is really going on and you just kind of chill at the office. You maybe play pickup once or twice a day and then, Hey, does everyone want to go see a baseball game this afternoon? Um, and, and so those are, those are kind of good days. You have, you have just kind of decompress before everything gets going again. And then everyone starts showing up for open gym and we're right back to it. Man, the Bucks, got uh, the Bucks off uh, the staff support staff was a, uh, a lot more fun than the Clippers staff. I don't think we all got together. Listen, when the day was over, I was like, I'll see y'all later. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> trying to get Man, I think a lot of that is probably Milwaukee's just easier to get around than LA. <laughs> so it's like, oh, let's go to a baseball game. It's a, it's a seven minute drive from the office. Yeah, fair oh enough. yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. Uh, guys, we, uh, there's nothing to talk about except for Ben Simmons, which we will talk about. Uh, but we figured we'd do a mailbag. And what do you know? Most of the questions were about Ben Simmons. So let's, let's just right off the bat uh, knock out some Ben Simmons talk. Uh, all the questions are essentially, what do you do with Ben Simmons? Where do you think he ought to go? What should they get for him? And, and I mean, it covers the, the, the entire gamut. And 
I, I guess, guys, let's start with what the heck is happening with Ben Simmons? Is he going to get moved? Because, you know, I've said this a couple of times now. I, I think that this is more likely to happen once the season starts. Like I, I, at this point, like you mentioned, Mo, we're almost at training camp. And, and I actually think this is a good thing for the Sixers to hang yeah. on to. I don't know if it's a, uh, it, obviously not a good thing in the way this is all carrying out with him threatening sure. the holdout and things like that. Ultimately, if I'm the Sixers, though, I think the biggest thing they got to do is just call his bluff. The offers aren't there. I'm sorry. Like we've we've seen all these people uh, rumored offers and things. Malcolm Brogdon and and uh, before T.J. Warren got you know had surgery and or is behind in his recovery, like and and a pick just wasn't enticing, you know, like just the offers Marvin Bagley and buddy healed, you know, for, for Ben, like, you're just looking at that. And if you're the Sixers, you're just going like, no dude, like we're, we're not trading. And you, you know, for him to kind of say like, Hey, I'm going to hold out. If you don't, I'm done. I'm through. Honestly, if I'm the Sixers, it's just straight away. Just go like, just call his bluff, man. See what happens. Even if he doesn't come in, see what happens. Seth, are you, are you, kind of there with Mo just call his bluff. Yeah, it's a he's he's a really good player who teams think that they can leverage the 76ers into making a bad trade. And if there's one kind of executive in the league that I have the most faith in to not get leveraged, it's, you know, okay, he might not be the one, but he's one of the few that I have the most faith in that like he's never going to feel like Oh, I have to do a deal now. The, the the deal is someone's going to someone else is going to quote unquote crack and make a fair or even favorable for Philadelphia deal, and that's when the deal is going to happen. They're not going to panic trade him. They're not gonna. They're not gonna. You know, short sell. They're they're gonna. You know they they know they have a very good player who is, um, for various reasons, probably needs a change of scenery whether it's the fit with the roster or the fit with the coach mode, don't say anything. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, but that doesn't mean we have to do it now because, you know, what's the deadline? The deadline is really, you know, February sometime, right? Well, he's under contract for a while too. So the deadline, but if you're, I mean, if if you're Philly and you're in sort of, we must win title soon, like going through him with him past the trade deadline kind of makes this unless something changes dramatically from, from previous seasons, it makes this kind of a wasted season. They probably can't do that, but they can, if they go into the season with him on the roster, it's not the worst thing in the world. You know, and, and I think the ultimate thing here is the crap. I lost my train of thought. Go ahead. That's okay. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. I, I think, you're right that that going into the season, look, I don't think that's the worst thing. This is a good team. Ben Simmons is a good player. He's going to be hard to replace, even if they trade him. You know, their defense is going to take a step back at, at the very least. Their offense in transition was great. I mean, half court, you know, it's got his issues. But I, I do think that what we saw in the playoffs and, and that loss to Atlanta is just being a bit overblown, right? I mean, Embiid was hurt. Danny Green wasn't out there. They didn't have a lot of depth. And yeah, with that, all of those things happening, Ben Simmons, all of his weaknesses are glaring because they stand out more because they I rely mean, on him more, but they can't. And I get it. But also, this is a good team. I'd I, like to I see it that, work. 
even that's a little because they they you know they for some reason decided no we have to play a traditional backup center with our second unit so you can't you can't do the thing that everyone wants to see well let's let's run offense through Ben Simmons as point center and get get some stuff around him and have him play you know the it's a facile comparison to have him play the Giannis role because they're they're really very different offensive players absolutely but but like you, you, oh let's trot Dwight Howard out there and it, you know kind of trotting Dwight Howard out there across several dimensions basically lost them that series I'm shocked. Um, I'm shocked. You don't find that Doc Rivers has uh, a lot of creativity with his lineups. Um, no, but you're right in that. And I told you, thing, don't say anything. Mo. Well, look, you kept throwing it out there. It wasn't, you know, you threw four lobs up there. I avoided three of them. What do you want me to do? Um, you, you know, the thing with Simmons, first off, as, as Dave and you guys are saying too, is he, if nothing else, if he doesn't improve, he's still, going to be an all-time defensive player, you know, on a bunch of all-time teams, uh, all defensive teams all for the next what six, seven years, assuming good health and everything like that. He's probably going to win a defensive player of the year award at some point. And, you know, you can win with that. You can make that work and not I just currently with this, with the way it's set up with Philly, probably not so much needs to be in a different situation. But, you know, when you're looking at it with Ben Simmons, and this is the important thing here is, Philly is in a tough spot too. It's not like, Hey, we're going to trade Ben Simmons and now we're going to go into a rebuild, right? Like the trade they need to make needs to keep them as a contender. And I think that's why the reluctance in sort of the, Hey, we're not going to take, you know, just some random deal or whatever, or we're, we're going to just, you know, get rid of him for 50 cents on the dollar and things like that. I think that's the important thing that everybody sort of keeps missing on that when they're talking about this. And I kind of think, again, I'm going to go back to the, the this holdout. I kind of think Clutch is overplaying their hand here a little bit. You know, the two times they've had closeouts, you guys, correct me if I'm wrong, but like those guys were free agents, you know, and in, in that instance, and, and they were just kind of holding out going into training camp and eventually, and had the leverage here. They're trying to create leverage. that I don't think you can really create and just Philly should just be like, fine, hold out. Just yeah, he's under contract. And, out. and you, you've got an MVP candidate in Joel Embiid. I mean, you, this is the time in his prime. He's going to be 28 in March. Green. I thought you were going to say well, MVP candidate. Hey, listen, in my heart, in my heart, <laughs> yes. Uh, but, you know, you know, you've got Joel Embiid out there and he's going to be 28 in March. And this isn't me saying he's he's dead by any means. But, I mean, he's in his prime right now. So you're right, Mo. You there There is no taking a step back. You've got to take a step forward. Doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get a better player, but you got to come away. You, if you trade Ben Simmons, your team needs to be better, especially offensively, or it's a waste of a trade because you're going to take a step back. I mean, this team again, man, two years ago, or, or whenever, when was the Kawhi bounce? I mean, was that three years ago? Three years I, I don't ago. remember. Yeah. Okay, but this is this team is one lucky bounce away potentially from from a conference final. I mean, this is a team that's been near the door to the finals. And, and again, had some bad injury luck last year. I just, I hate to see it blown up, but it, it is blown up at this point. It's, it's it's silly of me to even keep saying, I hate to see it blown up because it is. Um, but if you're Philly, you have got to get better out of this. There is no, like four or five picks, just who cares? You've got to come away with at least one really, really good player. And, and maybe 
one really good one and another guy who is, you know, a high rotation guy. And it's, it's, it's holistically really better. Like the, like the, the, the easy trade people are throwing out there. So, oh, CJ McCollum for like, okay, yeah. CJ McCollum would be a nice defensive addition and a nice offensive addition and fit well. And he's, he's good. He's fine. He's maybe a borderline all-star in the East, but you take such a hit on defense that that can't be all there is. Like that doesn't, that, that, you know, locks you into, especially given, you know, contracts that locks you into what does John Hollinger say is like uh, going all in on mediocre. Like you're yeah. fine. You're a 52 win team in perpetuity with that. That's fine. But they, they need to aim higher than that. Um, can I, can I switch the convo just a little bit? Because sure. You know, all the conversation about Ben Simmons is so focused on what he doesn't do. Yeah. Um, especially offensively. Let's talk about what he does do. And I think that's important to, to get to when all, a lot of the questions were, where does Ben Simmons, where would the best fit for Ben Simmons be? And I think that requires us to examine, not like it's not, he's going to go to a place where you can hide him. He's going to go to a place where you can maximize him and enhance him and use him to enhance the rest of your players. Um, for me, the most interesting spot, and I don't mechanically, it's, it's hard to see how this works without a third team, I guess. If Golden you State. say Charlotte, I'm no, going to, Oh, no, okay, Charlotte would be awesome. Okay. Yes. No. And, and like, there's, Oh, but you can't him and Draymond, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, the, the place Ben Simmons would be best would be a semi to non-structured read and react high feel offense. And you're telling me you can't with, you know, Steph and clay and Draymond and Ben Simmons couldn't run some a whole lot of random action that teams would just not be able to guard. Just I mean, not be Steph, able to guard. Steph Draymond pick and roll with Ben Simmons as either a secondary screener or in the dunker. I mean, that, that's that's pretty pretty good stuff. But the semi-transition stuff with him is going to be do crazy. With a, what do you do with a Ben Simmons, uh, Steph Curry dribble handoff? Like, you know, Simmons, like Ben dribbling at Steph Curry, like on the left wing. What do you do with that? Yeah, no, I think there's a lot of, I mean, that's a good one. I'm going to be honest with you. The, the the place I do think he fits most, I I find, I would find very interesting to see how it would work is actually Portland, but it's, and and it's not going to happen. I don't think it will, but for Dane, you know, in, in that sense of, I think you give him the chance to be that guy, you know, maybe it's going to look different than Giannis. But give him that own team, and then you still have CJ there to kind of be your closer down the stretch, very similar to the Chris Middleton role kind of deal. I think you have guys there that you can work with defensively and things and space the floor, Robert Covington and those the, – the, or the myth of Robert Covington or however we want to phrase it. But, like, <laughs> the, the whole – all of those things, you know, I think it's an interesting – like, for me, I go – I look at that team and I go, like, that's a very different team. That's a team that takes a bump up defensively, you know, and, 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 and something that they've been severely lacking, adding a, a very dynamic playmaker, even more of a transition team than they've been in the past. Like, I think that would make them an interesting thing. Golden state would be fun as hell to watch. There's no question about it, but I also want to see, see it in Portland, you know, in that sense and, and see how that works. Like I kind of just want to see it in, let's just see him with his own team. The hard thing with these things is we're always, just used to how we've seen him for the last what four or five years and how he's played in this system. We've, we, it, it takes imagination and, and guts. Cause you could be very wrong yeah. <laughs> in thinking he can do it, but you, you, you 
you know, to think, well, what if we put them in this way and, and, and think a little more creativity creatively about how you're going to bring them along. I think that's the important aspect I would want to see. I think Golden State's great and fun, but I would just want to see him in Portland with just his own team. I would want to see him in Charlotte as the center, but I'm absolutely insane. So um, that would be that would be one of the great league pass teams of all time. It would be amazing. It would they be more of a league pass team. Like, yeah. They already yeah. are the league. They're already number one. Do they move yeah. to zero? Like, what's the? I mean, Charlotte right. already already has my number one. Someone should trade for him because he's going to be a playoff, you know, MF and PJ Washington. Oh yeah, so. he's going to be great. And PJ could play the four next four, to Ben yeah. Simmons at the five. Oh, it'd be so good. All right. So this is to, a mailbag. Really you don't even really need to define positions out there. I mean, you think about oh, that, yeah. you've got like, you know, the, the, you've got Mellow's what six, that, seven. Yeah. LaMelo, <laughs> LaMelo Hayward, PJ Washington, uh, Simmons and, and, and miles bridges. Like who's playing what position do we care? Like that's a, that's a fun, that's a fun group. Yeah. Oh, man. I might have to buy 2K just so I can make that team. All right. It is a mailbag. I promise it is a mailbag. So let's get to some questions. A friend of the program, Kirk Henderson, asks, who are some NBA players that really need to remove shots from their diet? And where do those shots come from? Uh, And then the reverse, some players who ought to expand their games this season um, and and maybe bump up their volume in, in places that they're more efficient. Chris Middleton comes to mind as a guy who replaced a lot of those long twos in his diet with threes and immediately was just better because of it. Right. Uh, so you guys got anybody off the top of your head that maybe needs to take some shots out of their, uh, repertoire. Oh, I mean, I'm, Go ahead. Go ahead. Mo, Mo's like chomping yeah. in the pan. Oh, it's two guys. Russell oh. Westbrook and Giannis Antetokounmpo need to take the threes out. I'm done. I'm done. It's, a, it's a, it, Listen, I mean, especially the Giannis dribble pull up in transition three. It's a wasted possession. I want to I want to say when it goes in. You don't mean because like taking away the three doesn't mean he never shoots a three because if they catch the ball within the flow of the offense and they're wide open. They should shoot it because that is the function of the offense. And if you don't shoot it and the defense knows that you don't, then they never have to guard you ever. I but mean, you're right. Defend it that way now. <laughs> I mean, defend it that way now. Like it's not. That's true. Watch it. Watch it. Go watch the playoffs with Westbrook and see how deep his guy is in the paint, even wow. in the flow of the offense. The Lakers <laughs> are going to be so funny. It's, yeah, I just I just think it's those those shots, and because they're so dynamic and explosive in getting to the rim and things like that, even with these guys sagging off of them, I think just more of that. You know, for me, it's just take those two guys right there immediately. I saw that question, and then it was like done. Yeah, uh, Seth, you got it. You got anybody? I mean, the, I mean, you know, one of the obvious ones in recent years has been Kristaps Porzingis post ups. Um, it's, it's, you know, again, it's not a, a, a contested 12 footer is not magic just because you started with your back to the basket and turned around and shot. It's still a contested 12 footer. And the other one, the, 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 maybe the more interesting one is, and this is, which should be no surprise to anyone uh, who's heard my rants on this team is the early clock pull-ups from Donovan Mitchell. It's the, like the you know it's it's something that for long stretches of the regular season he kind of gets away from and then then they hit some adversity in the playoffs and it's just like you know it's oh time to put the cape on and it it you know if it it completely reduces 
so many of the of the highly skilled players on that team to spectators um and it and you know you, you understand why someone thinks they have to but it just we've seen it for four straight years in the playoffs and it drives me crazy um the other one it, we, we saw is is any and it cut down a little sort of the second half of last year is like uh, speaking of early clock pull-ups is like the early clock like 30 footer from trey yeah like that's just sort of the the you know the 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 uh commentator cliche is well you can get that shot anytime Sure. Well, yeah, you can get that shot anytime. So maybe come back to that with six on the clock if you need to. Why not? No, why do it with 18 on the clock when you haven't given the possession a chance to get something great? Did you see much of that in the second half of the season after Nate McMillan took over? Because it, 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 it cut down a little bit. Yeah. And, and then I was going to say, it's anecdotal for me. I haven't looked at it, but it I, feels I like it, it was less. I looked at it. It, 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 it was a little bit less. Um, and then it, it seemed like even, even, even more so less, even less, even fewer, whatever in, in, in the playoffs. But then again, that's, that's, again, that could just be anecdotal. And, you know, some of that was how sort of easily they disposed of the Knicks made it, made those kind of look like they vanished. That's right. Um, All right. Next, next question uh, from at 22 Milto on Twitter. Uh, what are the main reasons that teams over or underachieve expectations by a lot historically? And we'll just say we'll throw injuries out from from our answers there. Uh, and then which team might wind up over or underachieving this year? Um, specifically, I guess, in the, whatever this category is. I will say this. Three-point defense seems to be pretty random. And the Knicks had amazing three-point defense last season. So I'm going to steal everybody's answer, I'm assuming, and say, watch for the Knicks' three-point defense and see how it affects their season. Because, I mean, they, they, were, they were spectacular last year, and it's all random. Seth, is that accurate? Fairly random. Fairly random. Like, I, sure. like all random is, is probably too far, but too fairly far. random. Yeah. Um, no, I think that's that, that, I mean, that was sort of broadly speaking, like the teams that over or underperform, you look and see, okay, the teams that uh, overperform are the teams where the opponent shot 33% on open threes and the teams that underperform are the, are the teams where opponents shot 42% on open threes. And, you know, what, uh, if, if you can predict that, go to Vegas and, Pick a number out of the roulette wheel. And, <laughs> exactly. And, you know, <laughs> play the ponies. Uh, yeah. You know, Dallas last season, the, the Dallas Mavericks offense struggled to hit open threes. I mean, that might be something that swings for them, although I doubt it with, you know, I mean, with, with that was a little that was a little bit their roster last year. Especially it was, with, sure. with some of their some of their guys were a little banged up, like their, their sort of support players were a little banged up. And, you know. Uh, Josh Richardson, of course, being very disappointing in, in that. Like we knew it was going to be a shooting downgrade from Seth Curry, but it was went from, you know, one of the great shooters in, in this era to almost a non-shooter, which was surprising considering that he's been Richardson has been at least decent from downtown for for the bulk of his career. I wanted yeah. to answer the first part of the question, which is you sure. know, the, about the the over and under sort of expectations and things like that. Sometimes it's because we place the expectations too high for these guys, you know, and it's, and it's a level of, let's look at the Hawks, for example, right? 
the Hawks had a great, unbelievable run to the conference finals, right? Some people are going to have expectations of this team should be a conference finals team. There are going to be teams, people within their organization that are going to have that expectations. That may not be realistic. And I think that's kind of the thing with some of these expectations that are put on teams. It's a little bit unfair because it's like we're putting that on them. And they're also just like, well, we're not that. I remember with the Clippers, you know, we were going on a run and we had a nice winning streak going and like Stephen A. Smith goes on at first take or something and says, we're contenders. And one of the assistant <laughs> coaches was in the locker, was in the video where he heard that. And he just threw his hands up going like, we're screwed. You know, he's like, he's like, if that's their expectations, we're screwed. We're not that, you know? And I think sometimes with the expectation games and who's going to swing and who's going to overachieve and underachieve, I think sometimes that's us and our, our, our inability to pinpoint it correctly than necessarily, uh, you know, the teams, you know, there are teams that do for sure, but then there's just teams where sometimes it's like, no, nah, we just, you know, poorly rated them. Are you struggling to close deals? B2B selling is tougher than ever. And that's why I want to tell you about LinkedIn Sales Navigator. LinkedIn Sales Navigator is a sales intelligence platform that helps professionals effectively prospect and engage high value customers, drive higher revenue and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator helps you target the right buyers, surface key signals, and show you hidden allies so that you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash show 23 that's linkedin.com slash MBA show 23 for a 60 day free trial. Let LinkedIn sales navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash MBA show 23 and get started. What is a, a reasonable expectation? I, the Hawks are a fascinating team to me, for Ooh. me this year. Cause what is, what should the reasonable expectation be? I think that, you know, a, good kind of stretch goal our seasons will have been very successful is i think third place in the conference and you know make the second round of the playoffs you know i think conference finals they're they're assuming health from milwaukee and brooklyn they they shouldn't be in the conference finals this year that team is so deep that it is going to do very very well in a regular season like potentially they sneak into the two spot in the regular season, because they are going to be so deep. And, you know, it's not like if you're Milwaukee and Brooklyn, you really care about being the two versus the three. Honestly, you probably don't care all that much. Um, I have them slated in that three to five spot. Part of it, it depends on Philly and what they wind up doing with Ben Simmons. If they stand pat and run it back, it's four and five between Atlanta and Miami. And I'm going to give Atlanta the edge just because of that. They're younger. They've got more depth, more likely to go for it. Although I will say if Miami's close and can get home court advantage, I mean, they're going to push for that, obviously. Um, but I, I think that you're right, Seth. That That's about what they ought to be looking for. This is a pretty good team. Yeah, I think the, the for me, just even a successful season is home court in the first round. Like it's mm-hmm. not even, even you know, mo- yeah, yes, get out of the second round for sure. Yeah, I mean, get out of the first round, excuse me. Yeah. But if you're a four, if it's the four or five series and, you know, you have home court, you know, that's a pretty, in theory, relatively even series. 
in that sense, those two teams would be relatively close together. So I think that's the big thing. The funny thing, Dave, though, is, you know, again, this is us penciling. Hey, they should be right. We're expecting them to be better. We have, I think, more. It would be an interesting thing to look at. Just anecdotally to me, it feels like we have more teams that do really well one season and take a step back the next year than we do teams that continue the progression. And I think that's something that I worry about with the Hawks, you know, going forward. I, I can see that both happening. I can see them being really good continuing on. And I could see them also taking a, a step back and sort of, Hey, they caught fire. Nate McMillan, the honeymoon's over type deal. Like there's going to be, it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. I think that that's a good point. I would, I would say that when you have a talent as, as you know, a guy who's as talented as Trey young is, it's going to buoy you to a certain degree from falling off too hard. And this is like the Knicks. I, I think the Knicks are going to be in the play-in range. They're going to be in seven to ten. Is how I feel. Uh, part of it is looking back at how they, you know, sort of outperformed expectations last year, but also they don't really have that elite guy that they're going to be able to lean on at any point. And I do think that Atlanta having that advantage will help them. Now that being said, you're right, Mo. I mean, they could they could be in the play-in very easily. So you know, it's a young team too. So. All right, you guys want to go to the next question? Um, here we go. I really uh, wanted to make an RJ Barrett joke. Oh well, RJ's gonna RJ's good, so there's no <laughs> joke there. Um, 126 best player in the league. All right, here you go from uh, from uh, Miroslav Shuk. Uh, should FIBA and the NBA meet at the middle and create a universal set of rules, or is it better this way? Um, Mo, you've coached under FIBA rules, as have I. You're you're very well versed. Uh, how do you feel about the FIBA stuff? The, the one that always comes to mind for me is, is playing it off the rim. I, I think that the NBA, you just can't do that. Yeah. I, I, I don't think you can in the NBA. I think I'm with you on that, Dave. The, the thing I would like to see the NBA adopt is more of the flow of the game. I want to see them. I, what I want is not even them necessarily meet in the middle in terms of rules. I just want the officials to ref the game the way FIBA Yes. Games are refed. And I also want to bring in the intentional foul or unsportsmanlike foul for any time you stop a fast break on a foul, the way we've been seeing the take foul, because we need to eliminate that out of our game. Like now play the advantage, whatever, however we want to do it. But I think I, I, I want to see the game officiated the way the FIBA game is. We saw in the Olympics, they let more go. Defenses have a little bit more of an opportunity to, I don't know, defend. And it makes a big difference in how the, the game is played. And I think that's going to be an important aspect because right now everything has swung too much to the advantage of the offense. Seth, you got anything there? Um, just use the FIBA ball. Oh, it's a, it's a very, great. It's very, very pleasing to see the spin on the ball. So um, yeah, look, the two tone, man, it's where it's at. Molten makes a good basketball. Um, yeah, I, I think that the flow of the game, like I love a 40 minute game and, and no live ball timeouts. You're not going to get that in the NBA. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, Television is too important. Um, but but the bigger stuff is. Hand checking should be OK. We got to bring it back. Like Let the guys actually play some defense on the perimeter. There's a, listen, you can hand check without fouling. They do it in, in international basketball all the time. Uh, it works out totally fine. And uh, like you said, Mo, trust your referees, man. Those guys know the game. 
And the spirit of the game, I think, matters a little bit more than the NBA will will allow it to. And part of that's probably all the tech owner, you know, billionaires wanting everything done black and white. And it just doesn't work well, because basketball be. has a lot of art. No, but it has to be because part part of that is if you're not when you're talking about rule changes and like your first thought is, well, what would Daryl do? You're just asking for. You know, we're well past the point of the of there being some sort of like, uh, you know, smoky room agreement of everyone's only going to compete to this point. No, people are going to at least some of the teams are going to compete to the edge of the letter of the law. So if you're not considering what competing to the edge and that that's on the court, that's off the court. Um, you, you have to if you're not considering that, you're just asking for trouble. This is how we got to. The thing that they're now trying to fix with the flailing bodies, the non-basketball movements, right? And I think that you never get to that point if you allow referees to not call things that are obviously not fouls. So now we're having to go back and re-legislate things that probably never would have existed if you allow the referees to use their common sense. And I I get it. I get the point there. But Angle shooters are going to shoot angles, and there's always going to be an angle. Yeah, I mean, I think this – I think there's – a little bit of you're both are correct, you know, sure. in that instance, yeah. you know, and it's, it's, <laughs> right. it's kind of hard. Um, I'm very interested to see how this, these rules changes go into effect. And I hope it's something that the refs stay with all year, just because this isn't basketball anymore at times, you know, guys like Trey young, who literally just jump into a defender and then pop up, you know, it's a foul on the defender when the defender really has nothing else to do. You know, I, I saw plays where, you know, uh, Paul Millsap took a three and then leaned to his right because the guy who closed out on it did a great job. Closed out to his shoulder, completely avoided him, gave a good contest. Millsap draws the foul, got three free throws out of it. And I think that's the stuff we need to clean up. And I think that, you know, hopefully that's going to be an offensive foul the way it's supposed to be, uh, the way I've read those rules for next year. So we'll see how it goes, man. But I, it'll be interesting. I just hope we get give defenses more of a chance. The NBA created offensive eminent domain and basically said that defenders are not entitled to any space ever. You, you never are allowed to do anything. If the offensive player wants that spot, it doesn't matter. It's theirs. Yep. And you're taking me back to my, uh, my real property example. You start talking <laughs> about eminent domain. Uh, the, I would say the one, so this is sort of a, a combination of a few things, but Mo was talking about like the flow of the game rule. I think one rule that I would that I think would be really sneakily helpful for that is, um, you know, is it? St- I don't think it's still the rule in feet, but at one point you could just it, like on an out of bounds, you just take it out of bounds and go, right? You don't have to. The ref doesn't have to check it. Right. Just they, they call it this way. Let's take it and go. You know, like that's that will sp- a speed the game up. B like if if one of the things that people often find distasteful is the complaining about every call. Um, right. which is no, sort of no part time. of the angle shooting. And if it's like, if we're get it out, get it in, let's go. You don't have time to do that. So it's like, okay, if, if you want to complain, you can, but you're playing five on four and, and uh coach might have something to say about that. And it would cut down on replays <laughs> because they'd be forcing the ball in, man, Chris Paul, that would be a new stat to track. You'd have to track uh time for inbound for guys, because I bet Chris Paul would be Steph Curry, like with his release on those inbound passes. All right, last question. Uh, not a serious one, which is good. Um, from friend of the program, Britt, uh, Ro- uh, Britt Robotista. 
if you could pick a single NBA season, including the playoffs, to watch for the rest of your life, which season would that be? I am going with the Golden State Warriors first championship run. It was just so delightful to watch just kind of the way they played basketball, you know, ball movement, cutting and things like that, backdoor cuts and all of that. We had the invention of the death lineup during that stretch and things like that. Like I'm going with that squad. That's the season I'm going to watch. Not the 73, like just too dominant kind of deal. The first year was its purest year in its purest form. And I think that's the one I'm going to go with. You're like a warrior's hipster here. <laughs> it's I'm gonna, weird. I, I, I'm not sure I can pick a specific season. So I'm going to pick, I'm going to cheat a little bit and pick kind of a, a group of seasons. And it's going to be the seven seconds or less sons because of just the operatic tragedy of how each of those seasons ended. <laughs> oh, it's just like, Oh, Joe Johnson. No. Or like, <laughs> Oh, don't leave the bench. No, he did it again. Um, so just kind of like hoping, you know, you watch the, you know, you watch, watch a game of Thrones and hope the character doesn't make the same stupid decision. Nope. Nope. Still did it. Still didn't realize that there was a huge crossbow on those boats. Uh, so yeah, I think that's the, plus obviously it was just a, you know, fantastically entertaining team, including, you know, um, Sean made the Sean, Sean Marion basically inventing the modern power forward position on the fly. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's, uh, it's 13, 14. It's the, uh, beautiful game Spurs. I mean, it's just the peak that the, the, to me that the sport has ever been played is that team, the way they played on both ends. Some of my favorite players of all time. Um, I mean, just in the league period. At Danny that Green. time. Well, yeah, that team Danny in particular. Danny I mean, Green look, and man. And, and well, Danny. you know, Manu Ginobili <laughs> is probably my favorite player ever. Right. Uh, but Boris Diaw, another guy that I really love. I mean, that Spurs team, I really, that really love. Team. That was a fun team. There's no question yeah. about it. Like, that was I, a fun group of basketball I, to watch. I was staying up till 4 or 5 a.m. to watch the Spurs in because I lived in Europe during that season. And um, so I'll always think about, like, that season in particular means a lot to me. Personally, because I was stealing stuff from Pop for my team that I was coaching in Europe, um, you know, little, little motion stuff and one four flat. I was just literally just ripping it right off. So uh, that to me is the best season in NBA history. If I was going to go back to when I was a kid, it's probably that first Bulls title, I think, because it sucked because I love the Bulls like every other kid that lived in a non NBA market. Cause I got WGN and I watched the bulls getting their asses kicked by the Pistons multiple years in a row. And to watch them win that title actually meant a lot. It was cool. Can you just to the, can you imagine kind of peak Larry bird in the Twitter era? Just like, Oh, I'm going to shoot it. I'm going to shoot the game winner from there. Yeah. Well, we see it because like guys will do stuff that Larry Bird was just doing every night, you know, but it's a different guy every night. I I think about this a lot, like the stuff Jordan would do on a random Thursday night. And I mean, when we get a lot of that, uh, there, there are more great players in the league now than there were then. And I think that's why the magics and the birds and, and Jordan stand out, out so more, much yeah. yeah, because they were so head and shoulders above the rest of the guys. I mean, the league right now has more talent than it's ever had top to bottom, but you're right, man. There's just nothing like, I, I mean, imagining what people would do with the, you know, the, that 
uh, bird game against the Hawks. Because somebody would catch on. Yeah. Somebody would catch on. Right, like I mean, well, somebody we, would, was playing left the lefty. Yeah, somebody would have caught Portland. up on that. Portland, yeah, yeah. Oh, that was yeah. Portland, not yeah. not Atlanta. But, but the, someone yeah. would have caught that in like the second quarter, and it would have been all over Twitter. That would have been fun. And I generally I think, think Twitter kind of sucks. I think Larry Bird is playing left-handed, guys. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Is it me or did yeah. Larry Bird? Yeah. We're going to have you know, to just set up an athletic live tweet of that game. And I want to just see what comes out from it. Well, I mean, you, you know that KOC Kevin O'Connor would come out going like, should Larry Bird play left-handed? <laughs> <laughs> Switch hands. Uh, like, All right. Like ben well, Simmons, he's hurting the team by playing right-handed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And we all right, full guys. Circle. That's it. We're gonna do it. That's gonna do it for today's show, folks. Uh, don't forget about all the other shows we got at the Athletic. Football season's coming up. The Athletic NFL show is awesome, uh, and uh, we're trying out some stuff with the Daily Ding here on the Athletic NBA show feed. So give us some feedback. Let let us know what you think about that for this upcoming season because we want to keep you guys informed and on top of everything. Uh, for Seth and Mo, I'm Dave. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll talk to you guys soon. Yeah.